This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 208, recorded on Monday, March 16, 2015. 16. That's uh, three days later than Pi Day. Did you enjoy uh, Pi Day? Yeah, we missed Pi Day. I mean, we missed it. We didn't record on Pi Day, but it was a few days ago. It was. It was exciting. I bet a lot of pie was eaten that day. I tried to buy pie, but uh, I went to the store. uh, The grocery store only had two pies. One was uh, maple syrup pie, which didn't sound very good to me. That's weird. I love maple syrup, but I've never heard of that kind of pie. And then a pie that, uh, until today, I thought uh, it was labeled sour cream pie, which I thought was a little weird mm-hmm. until I was at the grocery store again today and saw that it's, it was actually sh- uh, sugar, or sorry, uh, sweet cream pie. Sounds a little better. Yeah, a little bit better. But uh, yeah, it just did, those two pies didn't really do it for me. So I didn't have any actual pie on pie day, but I did, uh, I did denote the pie day at, uh, three, uh, four, three, one, four, one, five at nine, two, six in the morning. I did, uh, enjoy pie to, uh, <laughs> five or six decimal places. Very, very good. Well, m- one of my kids came home and told me that she tried, um, uh, lemon meringue pie and really, oh, yeah. really liked it. So, really? uh, we looked for one in the grocery store, but they didn't have any of that either. So, we, Was that the uh, first time she had tried lemon meringue pie? Yes. That's crazy. Don't you have lemon meringue pie like three or four times a year at uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter and uh, lemon meringue pie day? No. In the middle of July? No, I don't want to go too far down this rat hole, but uh, pumpkin pie is what you eat at Thanksgiving. and uh, We always had one of each. Yeah, no, I, I haven't up. had a lemon meringue in years. Uh, I, I like lemon pie. I don't like meringue. So I, I usually tend not to uh, partake in lemon meringue pie. Okay. Well, I apparently Sophie likes it, so we're going to have oh, have to go pick some up. We looked. They had lots of key lime pies in the grocery store. Yes. Uh, they seem to not sell as well. <laughs> right. All right. Um, there's a lot of, there's a whole bunch of, of uh, housekeeping we got to do here, Jason, before we get into the, all meat, right. the meat of this podcast. All right. The, you vacuum, I'll mop. All right. Good. Now that we've done that, uh, I want to, of course, remind people once again to continue voting for us in the podcast awards. Oh, shit. Podcast. Oh, you didn't vote today, did you? I, yeah, podcast. I'm doing it right now. All right. Good for you. Podcastawards.com, in case you forgot that URL. Choose the Talking Dead in the entertainment category. Submit your name and email, and you will receive an email to verify that vote. So please click on that link to do that. Big thank you to everyone that has been letting us know that you've been voting for us. Uh, that makes me really, really happy. And I think we've got about a week more to go in the voting. So uh, you won't have to endure this constant reminding too much longer. Awesome. All right. Um, and then the next thing is we have decided when to do our Ask Us Anything podcast. This is what we promised to do, of course, for being nominated in the podcast awards, which you all helped us with as well. And we are going to record that this coming Saturday. And I'll release it sometime next weekend. And uh, if you can send your questions to us by this Friday, March 20th, we'll you know, go through them all and uh, answer as many as we can on that podcast, which should be fun. 
I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It is. We, you know, the one other time we did this, it was pretty fun. I'm going to try and avoid too many duplicate duplicate questions from last time. Uh, I've received a few already. Just you know, people asking the same thing, and maybe we can breeze or blow through those a little quicker. But um, uh, what we'll do too is we'll you know I'll, I'll remind people when the last one was. So if you really want to go and listen to our last Ask Us Anything podcast, you can do that. No, I want to. I just want to reiterate that it is ask us anything. You can ask us like uh, for advice. You can ask us uh, complicated calculation questions. Uh, we'll take a stab at it. There's no guarantee on any right answers in any of the questions. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but you really can just go ahead and ask us anything. We'll uh, we'll see what we can do for getting an answer. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll figure it out. I mean, you want to know about us? You want to know about our thoughts on things other than The Walking Dead, or like Jason said, whatever you feel like asking us. We'll we'll see what we can do. Right, or what you know, what Sun Tzu was like when he was twenty three, uh, and writing the uh, the Art of War. I mean, we can. Uh, I have no idea if he was that old, or I'm sure he was that old at some point in his life. But uh, I don't know that how old he was when he was writing the Art of War. But uh, we'll uh, we'll see what we can do. If we have to, you know, answer the questions by looking stuff up on Wikipedia, we will be that service for you for that uh, for that day. <laughs> I think you're just trying to to avoid having to answer too many personal questions. No, personal questions are 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 good. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, it should be fun. Get your questions in by Friday, March 20th. The best thing to do is send them by email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And if you don't mind, put A-U-A in the subject. That'll just help me not miss any and and uh, be able to search for them and get them all organized in time. Yeah, or even questions like, hey, dude, what the hell? No, I'll answer that. <laughs> I will answer the hell. Okay, well, well I'm, I'm excited to hear that answer coming up. Yeah. Okay, um, contest. Record your favorite scene contest. That's still going. We've got a couple more weeks because we are now in the last uh, three episodes of The Walking Dead. Well, only two more to go, so a few more weeks to go. And if you want to send in entries, get yourself together, get your friends together, and record your favorite scene from any episode of The Walking Dead. Send it in to us, the audio file, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you have a chance to win a really awesome prize pack the end of this season cool i'm gonna play a couple of entries this week in it uh and you'll sort of see why in a second but the first one here is a short one it comes from allison in ohio we brought dinner and that's it <laughs> <laughs> so allison was of course doing daryl showing up at alexandria holding a possum that he just killed and saying we brought dinner Nice. So the length of the entry is irrelevant. It is a scene. It was a dialogue from the show. And uh, thank you, Allison, for that. And this other one is Elizabeth on the internet. My husband is out there for the hundredth time. My son was shot. Don't you dare tell me I take this for granted. You don't get it, do you? Your husband came back from the dead. Your son, too. And now you've got a baby on the way. The rest of us have piled up our losses. Me, Carol, Beth, but you just keep on keeping on. We have all suffered. Playing house, acting like the queen bee, laying down the rules for everybody but yourself. You know what? Go in there and tell that little girl that everything's going to be okay. Just like it was for you. She'll get a husband, a son, baby, and boyfriend. She just has to look on the bright side. 
Thank you, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, so Jason, can you place that scene? No, I tried, but I have failed. It's an older one. It was from back in season two, and it was Andrea talking to Lori when right. um, Beth was in the bed, I think. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Having yep. attempted suicide or talking about killing herself. Yeah. So I knew uh, since the, the talk of pregnancy, I knew it had to do with Lori uh, way back because she's the only pregnant lady we've run across in the show. Um, yeah, I think that's accurate. I think if that's not, if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will correct us. Yep. So yeah, I figured it was Lori that they were talking about, but I couldn't quite place the, uh, couldn't quite place it, but that's, uh, that was awesome. Yeah. Both, both very good. Thank you to Allison and Elizabeth for sending those in a couple more weeks. People just record yourself, send them in and, uh, we'll play them here unless you tell me not to, and you'll be entered, entered for, uh, for the prize. Okay, one more thing we haven't done in quite some time, and that's this. Thank you, patrons. Yeah, that's the long-lost thank you patrons bumper. Nice. <laughs> we do have some new people that have gone over to patreon.com slash thetalkingdead and um, supported us there, which is a great thing to do. At the gold level, I'd like to say a big thank you to Emily Patrick, Michael, and Pascal Heed, H-E-I-D, Heed, Hyde, Heed. I'm going to go with Heed. Sure. And at the platinum level, big thank you to Jocelyn Hanna for uh, her very generous subscription on Patreon to our show. Yeah, that was uh, that's great. Thank you very much. Uh, Patreon.com slash The Talking Dead if you want to support us there. Thanks to everyone that has done that. And uh, we do have a supporters page on the website too, which is not quite up to date, but... I will get to that very soon if you're uh, looking for it. Uh, okay, here we go. Next is our recap. Finally, we're getting to the recap of this week's episode of The Walking Dead titled Spend. Excuse me. All right. Thank you very much, Dave and excellent. Tammy, for those great title reads. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> it was really, really good. All right. Uh, let's get into the recap. So, Spend. We open. We get some establishing shots of Alexandria. There doesn't seem to be anyone around again. Well, it's, you know, it's a quiet town. Everybody's uh, doing their jobs, which probably doesn't include milling about on the front porch. No, I suppose, but we see some streets, you know, we see some houses, nobody around, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's early in the morning or something. I don't know, but uh, we can, you know, we said there was, seems like an empty ghost town and it sort of still seems that way, but you're right. Maybe everyone's out doing their jobs. Yep. Um, we see Gabriel. Finally, he walks into a garage that has been set up as a makeshift church and he goes in there with some wax paper and he puts it beneath one of the pages of his Bible. Right. Not sure what exactly he was doing. What, what's the point of wax papering your Bible like that? I was going to ask you. I haven't the faintest idea. The only uh, two or three, two uses of wax paper that I can think of are uh, wrapping up a sandwich and uh, uh, rubbing it on a metal slide to make it super slippery. Slippery. <laughs> well, 
he wasn't doing either of those things. No, so. so I have no idea. Maybe he just found it in the garbage or, you know, lying around and said, hey, a piece of wax paper. I haven't seen one of these in years and carried it around with him. Who knows? If, if you have a reason, if anyone out there knows a reason for doing this, if there's something we don't know about Bible pages or something like that, let us know. Uh, but he put that wax paper in there. But he all before he really does anything, he notices some strawberries that were left for him by Rosemary with a nice yeah, little note. That's nice. But it seems to upset him. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. And he starts ripping pages out of his Bible uh, more and more vigorously until he's essentially torn the whole book in half. Mm-hmm. And he looks up to the heavens and credits roll. So uh, I'm just wondering if that was a real Bible. You know, do you think that like they they built a fake church so that they wouldn't uh, desecrate a real church with their TV show antics? So now he's ripping up a Bible. Do you think they ripped up a, a real Bible? They found a real Bible in a thrift store and ripped it up, or do you think they printed a special lorem ipsum type uh, Bible in order to rip it up? Well, are you saying that it would be inappropriate to tear up a Bible? Well, I think it could be offensive to some viewers. I think by it probably tearing up a Bible. Yeah, you may be right about that. I'm going to say they probably have a prop Bible that they use for these sorts of things. Right. For tearing up, for throwing, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I'm going to say prop Bible. Okay. I, that's what I, w- I would think, too. So, uh, you know, the only other thing I can think of for that wax paper is maybe he, uh, you know, grabbed it off the ground when it was blowing around and decided to use it as a Bible bookmark. True. That's it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess so. could have just been a bookmark. You'd think they'd have bookmarks, but seems to be a lot of books in Deanna's house, but who knows? Maybe you're or right. Or maybe wax paper is used in, uh, uh, you know, ripped page repair somehow because there was a ripped page in the book, in the Bible, uh, even though the Bible means book, uh, right <laughs> in where he put the wax paper yeah. was right in a ripped page. Uh, so maybe he was using it to try and repair the Bible somehow. I don't know how that would work, but, you know, what do I know? Yeah, clearly nothing. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone else has any ideas, let us know. Uh, after the opening credits, though, we see the lone shot of Daryl in this episode. He's leaving on his motorcycle with a car behind him, which I assume has uh, Aaron in it, and they're going out on their recruiting missions. Right. So that w- that motorbike was most excellent, by the way. It was a nice-looking bike, wasn't it? It First of all, he put it together pretty darn quick, which is great, uh, I would assume. It took him a day or two at most. Uh, and second of all, it had a spot for his crossbow mm-hmm. right behind his uh, right arm, so... Uh, yeah, he's all set. He's a, he's a road warrior now. It looked like it had like nice big knobby tires on it too, which yeah. you might need if you're going to be off-road or anything like that, right? Absolutely. So it was good-looking motorcycle. He's going out on his mission. And that's it for Daryl this episode. Daryl Lovers, you don't get to see him at all. And we go over to Noah meeting with Reg on an also equally picturesque kind of little uh, little kind of little bridge going over a small river. It's like a gazebo bridge. Kind that was of. really neat. It was it was very a nice. pagoda. Yeah. Gazebo bridge bridge pagoda thing. <laughs> Say that five times fast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe later. Um and Noah asks Reg to teach him about building things and he says he wants to make sure the walls stay up because they could get knocked in. Eventually. As we've someday. discussed, yeah. Um and Reg remarks that Noah is in it for the long haul, which seems to make him happy. And then he takes a notebook from his pocket and he writes something in it and gives it to Noah and he agrees that he'll teach him about building things. Yeah. So that's good. They're going to have another builder or smart architect guy on the crew for years to come. Yeah, for a little while anyway. Yeah. 
now we get a quick shot of Abraham washing up one morning while Rosita sleeps in the background. It's just him getting out of bed, I guess. And then we cut over to a group preparing for a mission to go find solar inverters. Apparently there's some problems with the solar grid and they need to uh, repair them with a bunch of inverters. You need inverters. If you don't have an inverter, then what do you, uh, you're not going to invert anything. They convert DC current or AC current to DC current or something like that, right? DC current to AC. So sun, uh, yeah, the solar panels produce direct current and uh, you would store that in a battery. And then in the battery, you would uh, convert that to alternating current for your toaster. There you go. So they need those. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, that's what they're going to find. Now, the group is Aiden, Nicholas, Glenn, Noah, Eugene, and Tara. That's right. the group that's going out. And uh, Eugene doesn't really want to take a gun from Noah, which he's trying to offer him. And uh, then Tara is asking Noah about him chatting with Holly, who's a character I don't think we've seen. I don't recall a Holly. Or met, no. Uh, Aiden says goodbye to his parents. Glenn kisses Maggie goodbye. They start up the van after they all load in, and loud, loud, booming music starts blaring out of the speakers. That was most excellent. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, and across the street as they drive away, Gabriel looks on, and Deanna waves to him, which is yeah. seems nice. But Gabriel looks a little concerned. He's He seems to have something on his mind. He is a conflicted individual. Yes, which we will find out more about later. Um, so we cut over to what Rick is doing. He comes into another garage where Jesse is there cleaning up the remains of that owl sculpture. Uh, I guess they'd started to rebuild it again after Rick broke it, and now someone's broken it again. Oh, man. Yeah, that owl sculpture's taken a beating, really. And Rick asks if she has any enemies or if anybody hates owls. Well, yeah, some <laughs> people just, just hate owls and all, you know, depictions of them. Well... They kind of laugh it off, and uh, he says he'll ask around about it. And the thing I noticed about this scene was how playful and flirty they were being with each other. Uh, yeah, they were being very friendly. You know, laughing, joking, joking about the enemies thing, and if anyone hates owls, they, they, they seem to have a little thing going, which we know already, but they really exemplified it here, I'd say. Right. So Rick mentions the broken window theory. Right. Do you know what that is? No. All right. So I, I've heard that it was in a um, This American Life podcast uh, episode that I listened to a little while ago. And so I, I caught it. And I was like, oh, they mentioned that in the uh, the podcast. The theory is that uh, if you police small things like broken windows, vandalism, uh, petty theft, that kind of thing, it kind of builds an atmosphere of law and order. And therefore, you don't have to police the big things because uh, everybody feels like, okay, the, the cops are everywhere, so uh, I better be good. Because, uh, you know, if they're going to go after people for little things like that, then, you know, I shouldn't do the, the bigger stuff because they'll definitely come after me for that. Whereas on the other side, if you let small things slide, like if you say a broken window, you don't go after anybody, a bunch of vandalism, you never go after anybody, uh, the people that are doing that may tend to uh, become more and more... Uh, bad. They'll escalate. They do worse. Yeah, they'll escalate. They'll do worse and worse things. Hmm. That's so that's the uh, broken window theory. It's interesting theory. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. It's like take care of the little stuff and the big stuff won't occur. Right. That's the theory. In practice, there's all kinds of problems, but in, in the theory, uh, it's take care of the little stuff. Okay. Well, this is one of the little things, right? Just make sure they figure out who broke that owl. <laughs> that's right. You have vandalism. 
vandalism. It's a, it's, I, you know, in a, in a small community like this, I'd say that's important. All right. Well, we go over to the Solar Distribution Group. That is the warehouse, or that's the location that our team has gone to. And um, they are getting out of their van at the warehouse, and they're talking about how to pull off the what they want to do there. And uh, Nicholas says that, you know, if the plan goes south, he already has a plan, and that's to go out the front door. Well, it's a good plan. Sure. It's a, it's a door. It's right there in front. Absolutely. But... Glenn wants to do is walk the perimeter, figure out where all the exits are, and uh, just make sure they know what's going on. So and they check the roof because the last time they did this in the big stop, there was a helicopter on the roof that uh, made that roof very, very soft. So check the damn roof before you go in the building. Good point. I hadn't thought about that, but they need to make sure that roof is solid, which they don't do. They walk the perimeter. No. That's fine. Um, and before they do that, though, Noah headshots a walker. Uh, which is uh, which is coming at them slowly, and everyone commends him on his aim, which is nice. Mm. So first we see Eugene and Tara, and uh, they're walking around, and he says that he's not comfortable being there because he's a total coward, as we know. And Tara says, man, you got to pull your weight. But he disagrees because he feels he has been pulling his weight by getting them to Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I've been pulling my weight. I've been saying go here for a year now, and you finally did it, so I'm the hero. His argument is that if it wasn't for him, no one else in the group would have had the motivation to to make the trip, basically. Right. And I can see his point, but at the end of the day, he did nothing. Yeah, it's all it's all bullshit. <laughs> Poor guy. And Tara agrees. She doesn't really buy it either. She's like, you really are a coward. And he says, yes, I told you I am. <laughs> How many times do I have to say it? Yeah. Um, so they're doing that. Noah and Glenn are walking around the other way, I guess. And they're talking about his good aim some more. So they're really impressed, really excited about his good aim. Yeah. They come around front and find a big crowd of walkers. So Nicholas's big plan to run out the front door is probably not a great one. Yeah. Big crowd of walkers. Well, if there's something around the front door, that was their plan. Imagine what's on the roof. Gosh, yeah, exactly. There's probably like aliens landing up there. You don't want that because they're going to come through for sure. Uh, so they all enter the dark, dark warehouse and they bang the wall to attract walkers, which they always do and is, I guess is a good idea. And Glenn listens and he says that the walkers must be stuck behind something. Right. Because he knows they're here, but they're not coming out. Yeah, they're not, you know, they're in the building, but they're not right here in front of us, so they've got to be stuck somewhere. they got to be stuck somewhere. Now, the group kind of fans out into the darkness. They're exploring the aisles, and then they come across the walkers. They find a bunch of them behind a chain-link fence or a gate of some kind. And uh, Aiden, he concedes that Glenn and, and the group really know their stuff because Glenn called it. He said, they're stuck, they're in here, but they're stuck. Glenn totally called it. Yeah, Glenn's awesome. He is. Uh, we see Tara and Eugene. They find the inverters that they need. And while they're looking at them, meanwhile, a walker in full military gear yeah. is coming at Aiden. Did you see how Tara opened that box? She stabbed an X, into it. An X in it. <laughs> it's like she's never opened a box before in her whole life. You just, you know, you just got to cut the tape a little bit and the box opens right up. You know, you don't, you don't have to stab into it like that to uh, wreck whatever contents are inside. That, that is the risk that you end up stabbing something that's in, inside it and wrecking it, yeah. And these electronic uh, inverters, they were all packed in styrofoam 
chips. Did you see that too? Yes, I did. They weren't in like uh, special non-static plastic bags. They weren't in like individual <laughs> boxes. How often do you ever buy something that's just comes, uh, you know, the electronic device is packed in amongst styrofoam chips? Packing peanuts. It was utterly ridiculous. Just that whole opening the box and pulling out this inverters. We found them! Even though the box says inverters on it, you could have, like, there's like six boxes all labeled inverters. Like, okay, we found them. Let's pull down one box and cut the tape and open it up and make sure. But, you know, she just stabs right into it. She's very stabby. I think it would have taken too long and it wouldn't have been compelling TV if she'd slowly taken the box down, cut the tape, opened it, you know, dug through. I think it's a little more exciting to see her carve into that sucker like it's a well walker. yeah you know if it was a if it was a, a monster that she was trying to get uh you know a baby that it had swallowed out i would stab <laughs> it like that but a box with electronic components i don't think so all right well next time i see her i'll let her know she did it wrong she totally did it wrong totally the important part is though they found their inverters and the other important part that yes. now we have a military zombie coming at aiden pretty slow and Aiden starts shooting him, but he can't penetrate the armor. It's a, it's a zombie tank. It pretty much is, yeah. And now this zombie has some grenades hanging from his chest. Yeah. And Aiden is not careful, and he continues shooting, and he ends up shooting one of the grenades, and it explodes. I'm not sure that that's possible. And, and I don't know a whole lot about grenades, but I don't think shooting them uh, will do it. So anybody who knows anything about uh, hand grenades... Uh, you know, let let us know what would happen if a, a grenade got shot. Yeah, I was going to ask you if this was possible because I don't know either, and I thought you might. But if you don't know, then you and I are in the dark. So, yeah, I'm not sure if you can shoot a grenade and have it explode like that. I'm pretty sure that they would uh, make them relatively safe until you, you know, pull the pin and let the spoon fly, and it ignites whatever ignition system is in there to blow up their grenade. But that's just me. Well, you yeah. Know, I, it does I'm not seem, a military, uh, hard, uh, you know, explosive provider. It does seem seem awfully unsafe. I mean, if guys are carrying around grenades like that, if if one errant shot can just blow up the grenade and take you out and anyone around you, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, for the purpose of this, he shoots it. It explodes, and when we come back from the commercial break, everybody is down. Aiden, he was blown back and has been impaled on two spikes. I guess part of a metal shelf or something like that. He does not look like he's in good shape. Yeah. And Glenn realizes that the walker cage is now open, so the zombies are going to be coming out to get them soon. And Tara is unconscious and bleeding badly from the head. Ouch. So this was a devastating explosion to the group since they were basically all standing around. Um, so the zombie tank turned into a zombie bomb. It really did. Now, Nicholas was pretty close to it, but he wasn't hurt for some reason. So good. he gets up. And uh, at this point, a walker, now Eugene is with uh, with Tara, and a walker starts coming at them. And he's trying to get his gun up to shoot the walker, but he's shaking all over the place. And meanwhile, another one jumps him from behind. So uh, Eugene is in a bad position now. Yep. And he is rescued by Glenn and Nicholas, who sort of jump through the aisle and come and take out the two walkers. But the main thing here is Tara is down and um, Aiden is impaled, and they think he's dead this point yep so we cut over to carol in her house and she finds sam raiding her pantry <laughs> that's what he's doing <laughs> he's looking sam for don't you know what kind of danger you're in man stay away from her 
Yeah, seriously. But he's in the house. Like, he's in her house, raiding the cupboard full of food. Yeah. He wants more cookies, of course, and Carol tries to send him away, saying that she doesn't care about Sam's problems. She's being just, you know, just as mean to him as she was before. And, uh, you know, before she kind of kicks him out the door, she says that uh, if you want more cookies, you're going to have to steal more chocolate. Yeah. So, otherwise, I can't help you. Back at the warehouse, where all the action is... They have now taken refuge in an office, and Tara's still in pretty bad shape. Looking out the the window of the office into the rest of the warehouse, they read that they realize that Aiden is still alive, but he's stuck, of course, on those spikes. And Ouch. what are they going to do? They decide that Glenn, Nicholas, and Noah will go for Aiden, while Eugene will stay in the office and protect Tara. I'd have shot him in the head. Really? He's a goner. Like, come on. In this uh, day and age, they don't have a, a surgery. Even though they have a doctor back at the Alexandria, I don't think that they have a, a surgical suite where they can go and, uh, you know, deal with trauma of that magnitude. Like, he's a goner. Like, there's no way he would survive that. Even if they got him out of there, got him in the van, and drove him back God knows how far uh, to, you know, what's-his-name's garage where he's probably drunk. Uh, I don't think that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a survivable wound in any way, shape, or form. You're right, but at the same time, I mean, you you sort of have to try to rescue people, to try to, to bring them back if you can. I don't even think he necessarily would have survived the trip back. Right. Um, but at the same time, he's alive. He's your friend, in fact. Yeah, you got a point there. You know, it's a t- it's a fine line between trying to save some guy, uh, somebody, uh, even though you know it's a futile thing, and uh, just shooting him in the head because what what the hell? Well, they decide to go and try to save him, but I, I can see your point. And in the moment, I mean, there's zombies all around. You're panicking. Um, they made a call, and they wanted to go and see if they could yank him off those spikes, those that shelf, and and get him back in, uh, get him back safely. Before any of that, though, we go over to Abraham, and he's doing his job. He's collecting metal from the mall, where they have collected all the metal for the walls. And uh, he's there with a whole crew of people. He's just one of the workers. Uh, He notices some birds flying, and he has some kind of moment of hesitation where he kind of takes a moment to lean on a truck and just collect collect his thoughts. And suddenly a gunshot and walker sounds snap him out of it. I think what was happening there was that he's kind of, uh, you know, over the last couple of days relaxing in Alexandria, he's kind of let his guard down, uh, you know, and, and just kind of let the uh, the burden of survival down a little bit. You know, he feels a little bit more secure. He's able to just take a breath. And then when he sees the birds flying, some something inside of him recognizes that there's danger. There's there's something that uh, is has gone wrong. And he is, in that moment, coming to terms with it and psyching himself up. Because he's pointed, like, he's looking right at his, uh, at his weapon. Mm-hmm. And he's, I think he's just kind of going, okay, now it's time to get back into survival mode because it's time again. So he's got to pick up that mantle of survival once more. And I think that that's what that, uh, that moment was. It was him just getting ready for action, basically, mentally. Yeah. Mentally, getting back in, getting his head in the game, yeah. getting into character. <laughs> Good. We don't want Abraham to be out of character. Right. Well, the gunshot happens and walkers start coming out of the forest. They all start shooting. And now we have Francine, who's up in um, a raised digger. 
what do you call one of those things? I don't know, some kind of tractor. Tractor, a backhoe, front end loader. I don't know. She's they've got the digger raised up, and she's up sort of up there as a watch, as a lookout. And somebody accidentally shoots the hydraulics, and it comes crashing down. She comes falling down to the ground. Dumbass. Huh? Dumbass. Yeah. You watch where you're <laughs> shooting, man. Yeah. Uh, Tobin, who is the leader of the construction crew, goes to leave her there because there's too many zombies around. But Abraham decides to run in for the rescue. He grabs her. They kind of get surrounded, but he puts her up in the cab of the digger now while he dives underneath for safety. And when he comes out the other side, he picks up some kind of ball and chain weapon to smash some walker heads, but it breaks quickly. So then It's he's, a morning star. It's called a morning star. Okay. It's like a spiked ball on the end of a chain. Well, yeah, but what's it doing there? I don't know. It's a medieval weapon. It's awesome. Okay, well, it was pretty awesome, but it doesn't last very long. And uh, then he's en- he ends up just with the stick while Francine is uh, shooting walkers from the cab. And at this point, the others sort of come back to help now after they'd run for cover. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Um, we cut over to to back to the town, to Alexandria, and Pete shows up at Rick's house, bring in, brings him a beer, he says, to thank him for helping his wife earlier. Yeah, nice. Here, thanks for flirting with my wife. Let's have a beer. <laughs> you know? uh, Rick declines the beer. And says that he asked around, but nobody saw or heard anything about the owl. And uh, I already know who broke the owl. Like I knew at this point. You already it doesn't did. take it. It doesn't take a genius to go. Oh, there's like a what? A, there's a street gang of thugs running around breaking stuff. I don't think so. It's somebody who's pissed off at you, mom, about something and broke the owl. Mm-hmm. Rick's just doing his job. He hasn't figured it out yet. He wants to know who who took out that owl. He's also trying to impress Jesse. Come on. Right. So, yeah, I I, I think him being a police officer would know, uh, you have an idea that, uh, you know, most vandalism of things that you're building with your family uh, will most likely be a member of that family. Sure. He could have just said your son did it and left. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, um, Pete mentions that Rick lost his wife. So someone has been informing him of Rick's past. And he says then that, you know, they've lost things at Alexandria too, even though it doesn't really look like it. You know, everything looks great here, but we've lost things as well. We don't get any TV stations anymore. That's right. You know, we used to get used to get a TV station, but that went away like right after the uh, zombie apocalypse. And, you know, we've had loss too. Yeah. We don't get Three's Company at all. I was doing my laundry and I couldn't find one of my socks at the end of it. We totally lost that sock. We ran completely out of dryer sheets. <laughs> like we're out. We're done. No dryer sheets. Every, static everywhere. Everything we wear is just full of static electricity. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> oh, man. Poor Alexandria. They yeah. Such a hard times. Um. What is Rick? Uh, Pete suggests that his kids need a checkup, so bring them over. And just before he leaves, he says, you know, we should be friends. We kind of have to be friends. So it was a little tense, this scene. It was scene, creepy. But, but it was friendly. I mean, on the surface, it was friendly. But deep down, there was some creepiness and some tension there for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. We go back to Eugene, and he's in the office still. He's talking to unconscious Tara. And he's saying that he told her he was a coward, and I take no responsibility for this. This isn't my fault. The man has no balls. <laughs> yeah. At least not yet. 
and he decides that he's going to load Tara over his shoulder and leave the office and get her out of there. And as he's going out, he manages manages to shoot a couple walkers on the way out. Yeah, well, what's uh, a damsel in distress? You step up. <laughs> That's right. You lay her over your shoulder and you act like a man. That's right. Um, and get a damn haircut. Uh, yeah, get a haircut. He could use that. Uh, the other group, Glenn and, and uh, Nicholas and Noah, they arrive at Aiden and they try to pull him off, but they can't. Of course, he's stuck on there pretty good. Walkers start coming and Noah's holding them off while Nicholas and Aiden, uh, Nicholas and Glenn is trying to pull Aiden off. Now, at this point, Nicholas and Aiden have a little exchange about not leaving him. And Nicholas says, you left them. We both did. That's who we are. I'm sorry. And he gives up and he gets out of there yeah and then glenn tries one more time and aiden admits that it was them who panicked with the others before and uh, glenn is pulled away by noah just before the zombies get there and aiden is just gruesomely torn apart and eaten so he is he is now dead for sure what's what's the actor's name do you know the actor's name no not off the top of my head because he did a really good job of uh the torture and the the pain and anguish of being torn apart by those zombies. I thought he did a, a remarkable job. It was really well done. I, I think so too. I mean, he did not look like he was enjoying that one bit. Yeah. But even though it was probably, you know, the actor, uh, it was probably a lot of fun when you're kind of, you know, in there and they make it look like it's all gruesome and gory. And then they, they fill up some sack with a bunch of uh, some kind of fake intestines and fake blood and people are, you know, yeah. dressed up as zombies, ripping that stuff out shit that'd be a great time that'd be a lot of fun that's a party right there man yeah <laughs> it was one of the more gruesome deaths we've ever had on this show yeah it, just in the in length of time that we got to watch him being ripped apart like have his stomach and chest ripped out we haven't seen that too much on this show even in in five years um they really went for it on this one you know he just he really did he just got destroyed now Regarding what he was saying with Nicholas about you left them, we both did, that's who we are, I'm sorry. I had to go back and remind myself exactly what they were talking about because I wasn't quite sure. So I went and rewatched part of Remember, which was a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago. Remember? Remember? Recall? Remember? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Do you remember? And in that episode when they go out on that uh, dry run, as Aiden called mm-hmm. it, where the zombie was strung up. Yep. Um. He is talking on the way, and he says to the gang, we lost four people last month. We were on a run. Roamers came out. They didn't follow the system. They were good people. They were just scared. So that was sort of his version of the last time some people got killed. And what's been revealed to us now is that it was actually Aiden and Noah who panicked and basically got people, got their friends killed on whatever the run they were on at the time was. Um, so, you know, he was all talking up a big game on that first one in remember, but really, you know, he's not that much of a badass. He didn't know what to do. He got, they panicked and got people killed. So uh, they finally admitted to it. <laughs> um, we come back from a commercial break and we're back with Abraham. He's kind of reprimanding Tobin for leaving Francine. He's saying, I can't believe you guys would do this. Uh, Francine clocks him, gives him a good punch to the face, uh, Tobin that is, and uh, Abraham here takes charge and he starts assigning people things to do. He says he wants lookouts 
and he says that they're going to keep working for the rest of the day because we got a wall to build. Yeah, nobody died. Nope, he takes control, right? He's like, we cleared this out. We're going to keep keep doing our job here. This is what we got to do. Yeah. So the, the gang at the warehouse, they run through out to the front of the warehouse, exactly where they didn't want to go because they're being chased by walkers from the, the back of the warehouse. And Nicholas is just, he's ahead of them. He's just totally in panic mode. He runs outside, even though there's a giant crowd of walkers out there. But then he has to turn around and come back through the revolving door just as Glenn and Noah are trying to go through the revolving door, and now they're stuck on two sides of a revolving door. In a uh, you know a tenuous situation, never go through the revolving door and never get it on an elevator. They're just death traps. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a good advice. Go through the door that was probably right beside it that was just a regular door. Yeah, if you want to get out, get out. Why they have, I, I, you know, I really don't quite understand revolving doors. You know, sure, they're, you know, people can go in and get out at the same time while maintaining an airlock, but who, you know, ultimately who cares? I don't know. They Someone invented the revolving door thinking that it was probably more efficient for people entering and exiting a building. One big open door just kind of works too. Yeah, I don't know, but revolving doors exist everywhere now. So yeah. they get stuck in there and they got zombies on the outside, zombies on the inside of the building and... They are separated by the panes of glass, and Glenn and Noah have guns, but Nicholas has the ammo. Right. So it's <laughs> difficult. Yeah, it's it's tough. They are in a rough situation there. Uh, but before we get the resolution to that, we go back to um, Tobin, and he's now back at the town, and he is talking to Deanna and Reg and Maggie, and he's resigning from the head position of the construction crew. He left. Like, why wouldn't he stick around? He's in charge of that crew, even though uh, Abraham kind of took over, you know, what was going on. But he just decided, okay, fine, and he went home. Yeah. I, I'm taking my ball, and I'm going home. At first, I thought this was maybe later, and everyone had come home, and then he decided, you know what, I'm I'm not fit to lead this group because Abraham's better. But clearly, he, I think, had left early, and he came to to resign. and And because didn't he say in the scene, they're still out there working? Yeah. They're out there still. So, yeah. What he, a jerk. He took off. Um, and he says that Abe can lead them better than I can. So, well, that might be, well, that, you know, if you left them there, that's absolutely true. It is. Yeah. Clearly he can. He seems to know what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so they kind of agree. And then uh, Deanna is talking to Maggie after Reg and, and Tobin leave. And she says that, uh, she seems to be getting a little bit worried about putting another one of their people in a position of power, yeah. in a leadership role. But Maggie says that this is the best way to ensure a future for Alexandria. And uh, then she goes back downstairs to work on those field plans, she says. <laughs> work on those field plans. Field plans, exactly. Awesome. All right, Sam, he shows up at Carol's door with chocolate. So he took her advice and he stole the chocolate. Good boy. Boy, she goes in and they they make cookies. They all go they go into the kitchen together to make cookies, and through chatting a little bit, Carol figures out that Sam broke the statue. Yep. And uh, then Sam questions why she stole the guns, and he says that he wants a gun, but he won't say who it's for or what it's for. Right. Hopefully, it's uh, it's for his invisible friend. <laughs> yeah. In that case, an invisible gun would probably do just fine. No, invisible friends need real guns. Oh, they do. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not who it's for, I don't think. Uh, we go back to our crew stuck in the revolving door, and suddenly, you know, they don't know what to <laughs> I, do. I didn't. I honestly didn't think that they were going to get out of that. No. Like when they got stuck in the door, I'm like, well, that's it. They're stuck in the door. There's no way out. Did and I had no idea. I have had no idea how they were going to get out of that. I thought they were just stuck. That was it. They were done. Well, it's. I mean, for that reason, I think it was a great scene. It it was a great scene. That was the most. That was the, the. This is the tensest scene in the show in quite a while. Because I really didn't see. There's no way out. I mean, they're stuck. They're surrounded by zombies. What are they going to do? Go up? Can't go up. Can't go up. Can't go down. You can't go out. I mean, um, and if you open the door one way, the other person gets exposed, and vice versa. So it's a it's a really creative and um, pretty bad situation to be in. This is why you don't go, use revolving doors. I don't use revolving doors. You know, even though there's no zombie apocalypse around, I always go through the door beside the revolving door. I hate revolving doors. Well, I don't know why you have such a hate on for them, but I use them all the time. <laughs> oh, you because you got to coordinate with all the other people going through the doors, and then all of a sudden, sometimes you're stuck in a revolving door in the same spot as another person, and you're all doing the little shuffly feet thing where you just kind of take little tiny steps so no. you don't step on stuff. See, you're what a mess. You're doing it oh, wrong. I'm, I know it's absolutely wrong, and it's uh, <laughs> you know, I just. They, they don't work for me. Revolving doors are a one person at a time thing, unless you're with a kid and then the kid comes with you. Those are the rules. If you're getting stuck in revolving doors with other adults that are strangers that you don't know, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Oh yeah, I totally do them wrong. And that's why I use the doors beside the revolving doors. Even though there's a sign that says, please use revolving door. I'm like, screw you sign. I'm using the regular door because I'm a human being that uses regular doors. Okay. Good for you, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that you have, you can't use a rolling door right. Anyways. Well, no, it's just sometimes. It's happened once or twice in my life. It's not like it happens all the time because I don't use revolving doors, even, so it never comes up. Even with your wife, you don't go through together. You go through one at a time. That's the way it goes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. It, I, I got a problem. You clearly do. Um, so they're stuck in there. They're screwed. We're thinking they're all going to die. Glenn's going to die. Noah's going to die. Uh, Nicholas well, is going to die. They're not in immediate mortal danger, right? They're just kind of stuck, right, with zombies around them. They can sit down and kind of, uh, you, you know, think things through. Not really. You have to hold the doors. They have to stay alert and tense holding those doors shut. You can't take a, take time off to sit and think. I well, think it's only if the zombies are pushing one way. You think the zombies are pushing on the, you know, on the correct way, or you think they're pushing the other way and well, balancing things out? I think you're right. There's zombies on both sides, but it's not going to take very long for those zombies to push and get an arm through, and then you're you're in bad shape. You know, a revolving doors collapse too, right? Like yes. they will with the right pressure, they will fold. Uh, yeah, so that's a danger. That's a danger too. But they're just a mess. Why? Oh, they're so stupid. Okay, well, guess who saves the day? Eugene. Yay! He comes driving past in that van, playing the loud music again, banging on the side, and he draws the walkers away from the outside of the building, which is I, fantastic. I gotta say, he looked pretty good in that van. Yeah, he, you know, with his arm hanging out, banging on the door, <laughs> his mullet flying in the wind, music blaring out the back. Oh, it was it was a it was beautiful. It was a perfect scene. It's one I've seen uh, many times in real life in Northern Ontario. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It was it was uh it was beautiful. It was really good, but he saves the day. He drives by and um some of the walkers get, you know, following him and then Glenn tries to break the glass, 
but it's not working. Butt end, butt of the gun can't break through the glass. And Nick starts to panic, and he starts to push his way out. And, of course, by him pushing out one way, it's opening a seam the other way and uh, where Noah and Glenn are. And Noah, he gets grabbed by walkers and pulled out of the revolving door into, well, by the walkers. And poor Glenn, and poor Noah, but poor Glenn is, is, is uh, forced to watch Noah get torn apart. By zombies right before his eyes. His face getting torn apart. That was gross. He got fish hooked by a zombie and just had his cheek and jaw ripped out. Uh, you know, you think that when we saw Aiden get eaten like 10 minutes earlier in the episode, you think that's that's all they can do for this episode. And then we see Noah get ripped apart too. So yeah, this was some serious, serious killing in this episode and it was totally gruesome, totally bloody. And, uh, I was sad to see Noah go. Me too. I like Noah. I figured I was hoping he would stick around for a while. You know, I didn't feel the same about Aiden because, you know, we don't know the guy and he seemed like a bit of a douche, but Noah, I mean, he hadn't even been part of the group that long, but you still felt it, you know, more than you, uh, more than I expected to. Yeah. So, Poor Noah. Noah is gone, and Glenn had to watch it happen right in front of his eyes, like just two feet away from him. Just nasty. Nasty. So we come back from a commercial break, and uh, Nick now runs up to Eugene in the van, and he says they're leaving, basically pulls him out of the van, and he just wants to drive away and leave everyone behind. Total coward move. And he gets in, but Glenn gets there just in time and pulls Nick out of the driver's seat and punches him until he's knocked out. Right. Um, we cut over again to Carol, and Carol now goes to Pete and Jesse's house, knocks on the door. Pete answers, and she asks about Sam and Jesse, and uh, Pete's not really all that friendly. He doesn't seem to want to talk right now. Pete's a jerk. I'm getting that feeling. Getting the feeling, yeah. Um, back with Glenn. He's driving back, and Eugene has a gun on Nick, who's in the back of the van. Tara is still there. She's especially bloody and, and unconscious. She really doesn't look like she's in that that great of shape. Well, and... Wait, wait, go back. So uh, when uh, Eugene was uh, turned around in the seat with his gun pointed at, uh, at the guy in the back of the van, uh, did that remind you of Pulp Fiction? Reminded me of Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I mean, it does now that you say it, kind of, but not at the time. Yeah, so it totally reminded me of Pulp Fiction. I thought for sure they were going to go over a bump and he was going to get shot in the face. Right. Yeah. In Pulp Fiction, though, he was, you know, he 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 re- he turned around, put his arm up with a gun in his hand. Yeah. And it was accidental. In this case, he was pointing the gun at Nicholas to keep him in line. I know, but I thought for sure that we were he was going to get shot in the face because Eugene's not so good with that gun, right? No, that's true. And I think he had his finger on the trigger, which is just a big, yeah, that's a big old no-no. Uh, yeah, he had his finger on the trigger and everything. I thought for sure we were going to get, uh, he was going to get shot in the face. Well, he didn't. I mean, and in some ways, I'm sort of glad that didn't happen, but uh, he survived. I'm I'm hoping Tara can survive. She doesn't yeah. look so good. Uh, before we end this scene, though, we see Noah's notebook, which is on the floor of the van, and it we see that it says, this is the beginning, written on the first page. Yeah, that is incorrect. Well, <laughs> if you're talking about <laughs> Noah's life, yeah, 
then that is totally incorrect. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, Reg wrote that in there for him. Noah didn't write that. Reg wrote that when he gave him the notebook. This is the beginning and handed it to him. Right. That that statement definitely evaluates to false. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. All right. Now, we're almost at the end, but we get Gabriel back at town. He comes to see Deanna. And he tells her that Rick and his group are bad people. They're he the devil. He says that Satan disguises himself as the angel of light and that she made a mistake letting them into the town. Yep. And he even goes so far, so far as to say that they will destroy everything they have at Alexandria. And he calls Alexandria a paradise and says they don't deserve to be there. Yeah. What a so, jerk. yeah. And Deanna kind of, I thought, for, at first reacted like she didn't really believe him, but eventually. It seems like she starts to to understand and hear what he's saying. Uh, but all along, Maggie has quietly come up the stairs from the basement working on the field plans, and she hears this whole conversation. She's just a little fly on the wall. Yeah, I just wanted to think to myself, dun, 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 there's Maggie. <laughs> the plot thickens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and now while this conversation is happening, we see Carol go to tell Rick that Pete is hitting Jesse and maybe Sam too. Yep. And we also see Abe leading the construction crew saying they did good work today. And finally, the episode ends when Carol says to Rick that there's only one way this can go down. You got to deal with this. You have to kill Pete. <laughs> of course, because if there's a problem, you kill it. Okay, well, let's talk about that first of all. So episode over. My first thought was, why does Rick have to kill Pete? I mean, he's a bad guy. He's beating up his wife and son, possibly, although we don't have any actual evidence of this. I mean, why is why do we go from suspecting a guy of being a bad guy to you have to kill him? Isn't there a... I mean, they've, they've talked about how, at least Deanna has, how this is supposed to be a lawful society. They're going to build something here. Don't they need some kind of proof or some kind of accusation or trial or something? Why do we jump right to kill? Because uh, that's her solution to everything. You got a problem? Kill it. You know, people are sick, burn them. Burn L them. Little girl kills her sister, kill little girl. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a bad person, uh, you know, if if you've done something that upsets the uh, the status quo, you kill that person. You have that person put down. That's Carol's, that's her answer to everything. Okay, so is Rick going to go along with this, do you oh, think? Oh, good next, Lord, no. Next episode? No. He's not going to just kill that guy. Yeah. He's going to confront the guy, and the guy's going to take a swing at Rick, and Rick's going to beat the living crap out of him, because Rick doesn't take no shit from nobody. And then uh, there's going to be a trial, and uh, well, I'm just, yeah, and then there will be a fight, and then Rick will kill him. Rick is going to, he'll end up killing him, but I don't think it's a matter of Rick's going to storm next door and put a bullet in his brain. Well, because I, Carol said so. I hope you're right about that because I think it would be ridiculous if Rick just walked over there and shot him in the face. He's a police officer. He's, you know, he he was a sheriff from way back when and now he's uh, he's a constable. So, uh, no, you can't just shoot people in the face because uh, Carol said so. Well, good. That doesn't I, seem like a police officer kind of thing to do. No, I, I agree with you and I really hope it doesn't play out that way. I mean, I know Pete's probably going to die and there's going to be a confrontation between him and Rick coming up. Um, but if it's, but if he ends up just walking over there and, and killing him for 
apparently no reason other than Carol said that's what she he has to do. I'm going to be disappointed. That's going to be poor uh, writing, in my opinion. Yeah. There has to be something more to this confrontation than just, he beats his wife, go put him down. Or, if that's what it is, then Carol has to do it. Because she's the one who, as you said, you know, has a problem, she eliminates it. That's true. Yeah, and you know, when uh, right near the beginning, when that van was pulling out, it pulled uh, past uh, the solar panels, and there was three huge propane tanks uh, right near the uh, the solar panels, which uh, I thought were just ripe for Carol to shoot and blow the whole damn place to hell. <laughs> yeah, she um, she could do that for sure. Ooh, my power just fluctuated. I hope everything's okay. Actually, mine did too. That's a, did it do it again? Yeah, it just did it again. Are you telling well, me the entire... We live like 30 kilometers away from each other. We do live far away. Uh, my power fluctuated, and if your power fluctuated, Ooh, that's not good. That's scary. Wow. That's an eastern seaboard type scary. We were together the last time the uh, the power went out back in 2004. Remember that? 2003, August. Yeah. The whole eastern seaboard went out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was sitting right next to you. I, that was your fault. <laughs> it must have been, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, hopefully the power stays on. Let's uh, continue. Um, I was saying, if Carol does it, I'm okay with it because... You're okay with Carol murdering someone? Sorry, I'm not okay with the idea of it, but from a story writing standpoint, I'm okay with it because she has set that precedent before, and that's what Carol does. She kills people. Yeah, she kills trouble. She kills trouble, exactly. Got trouble? Kill it. Um, Now, what about Gabriel's little speech to Deanna there? Do you think Deanna believes him? Do you think she's feeling like, well, maybe I did make a mistake? Or did she just want him to leave the house? And so she kind of said, all right, Gabriel, thanks. You've given me something to think about. Well, I think she said it when she said, you know, they're survivors. I, you know, it's not about being good or bad. It's about the skills that they have and what we need uh, from them. So I think she heard him and believes that he thinks that they are bad people. And that may all well be... You know, honest to goodness, true, but is completely irrelevant. And I think she recognizes that. Yeah, but that's why I, I said I think at first it felt like to me that she she really didn't, um, she really wasn't buying into what he was saying. But by the end of it, it kind of felt like she was. So I'm wondering if she really is coming around to what oh, he's no. saying. She's or, trying to get him out of the house. Yeah, I, you know, you've given me a lot to think about, you know, trying to placate him and get him uh, get him out and have him not go on uh, some kind of uh, priesty rampage because <laughs> that could be unsettling. You don't want a priesty rampage, no. No. Um, okay, well, I mean, we'll see what happens here. But, I mean, things are... This is all happening right at the wrong time because Gabriel comes and says this to her right at the moment. We even hear it right at the moment where Glenn and the group are returning from this unsuccessful run where... Two people died. One of them is her son. And, you know, we hear as she's walking into her living room, we hear Glenn scream out back that, you know, help, we need help. They've just driven up. So I wonder if all of this sort of is going to pile on to Deanna and Gabriel's planted that seed of doubt in her mind. And now suddenly Glenn comes back and her son is dead and Noah's dead and who knows if they even got the inverters? Like they found them, but then all hell broke loose. I don't think they brought any back. They grabbed a couple. Well, Tara had them. <laughs> so who knows, right? I mean, it was yeah. a, 
even if they did bring them back, I'd say it was an unsuccessful mission because so many people died. Um, so I wonder, I wonder if, if, if that's just enough in Deanna's mind to be like, oh my God, maybe this was a bad idea. And that's going to be sort of the, the root of the problems that they, they have to deal with in the next couple episodes. Right. I don't know. Uh, what did you think of this episode other than that, though? I uh, I quite liked it myself, and I think it was probably the goriest episode we've had maybe ever. It was pretty gory. It was pretty good. I uh, I liked the tension in this episode. I felt like this was the... Uh, uh, I think the tension made more sense in this episode than it has in a lot of, uh, you know, this season. I think it... Uh, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they've... I mean, they've they've been on a run here since this in the back half of season five. We've had some good good episodes in a row, and I wonder, you know, they they like killing people off right before the end of a season. You know, Shane died in the, I think the fifteenth episode, not the, the season finale, yep. and now we've had Noah die and Aiden die, and we've still got two episodes to go. So what's going to happen? I mean, who's going to get uh, offed? in the in the last couple episodes here if anybody maybe we've had our maybe we've hit our like season death quota already it could be i don't know but this was a good one um let us know what you think of this episode talking dead podcast at gmail.com with your thoughts and comments and of course we'll do our listener feedback show on wednesday and uh, read as many of those as we can all right time to take a very quick break hopefully the power stays on and we can continue because right after this we have your holy crap, did you see that moments? Stay with us. When I was younger, I used to be free. Now that it's changing, it's all I can see. You can't understand. You can't understand. It is a master of positive years. Each one we have, it's all I can see. You don't need a thing. If you want to help support the Talking Dead podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash the talking dead. We talked about it earlier in the show, and that's where you can go and make a small monthly pledge to help us uh, with the cost of putting on this here show. You can also help out by using our Amazon links by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and clicking on the link that is most appropriate for you. So uh, every purchase you make, a little bit comes back to us and uh, comes out of the pocket of Amazon because God knows they have enough money and uh, we could use a little bit of that. So they have it, we don't. That's right. And we want it. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, we just want to, uh, you know, it, it all goes into putting on the cost of the show. Um, and uh, stuff like that. So a big thank you to everyone that helps out in those two ways, and uh, it makes us very happy. Thanks very much. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right.
right. It's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And Donnie from Suffolk, Virginia says, this episode had so many holy crap moments. I don't know which one made me yell, scream, and crap myself the most. <laughs> Between Glenn and the group at the warehouse to the preacher trash talk in the group, it was more than I could stand. <laughs> it, it it was one of those episodes. There was a lot, a lot in this one that just made, there was. made you, you know, freak out a little bit. Holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. Yeah. Katie in Blackwood, New Jersey says, I had so many things to list for my holy crap moments, but Father Gabriel throwing everyone under the goddamn bus has me blown away. <laughs> <laughs> these, yeah. these people save your sorry ass and you screw them in the end. I can't wait to see how this season turns out. What a jerk. This is the thing about Father Gabriel and what he's doing. I mean, talk about throwing stones in a glass house. This This guy locked his people out of their their church to die and hid in there like a coward and now we get here and he's saying that everybody else in this group is a horrible person and they shouldn't be here but i'm okay yep like come on man uh, yeah he's a bit delusional as well delusional i think he's downright screwed up you know you you think he's evil or crazy oh um i think he's a little bit I think he believes what he's saying, so I think he's crazy more than evil. Right. Um, but, I mean, that's all I could think of at the time was like, you know what? You lock people out of a church to die. How dare you say that all these folks, whom you really barely know, yeah. uh, are are bad and shouldn't be there? Not to mention, they saved him when he was stuck on that rock with zombies around when they first met him. Yeah. I mean, good God, they've kind of done good by this guy when you think about it. Yeah, he's being a total jerk, throwing everybody under the bus like that. <laughs> As Katie said, the goddamn bus. Goddamn bus. Yeah. Uh, Kev in Dublin. There's some bad language in this one. I'd just like to say that. But here he goes. Kev says, holy fucking shit. Did you see that <laughs> episode? By far the best I've seen in a hell of a long time. It had everything. Surprise after surprise. Death after death. And finally, Eugene has got his finger out. Which I think... Probably means he had his thumb up his ass for a long time, and now he's taken it out, and he's become a man of action. I okay, <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to go with. I, I I wasn't sure of that phrase myself, but uh, I think that's the best I can come up with. Got his finger out of his ass, his and now he can get some stuff done. Out. What does that mean? <laughs> you looking, looking it up? up? Yeah, pull your finger out. What is this? Maybe it's a an Irish thing. He's in Dublin. Maybe that's what they say in Ireland. It's a, a pull your finger out is a World War II RAF slang means nothing in particular while sounding satisfyingly vulgar. <laughs> so it means it means nothing, but sounds vulgar. Oh, good. Well, it kind of does. Um, I am now going to use that every day. Yeah, with your coworkers. Come on, pull your finger out, man. <laughs> That's good. Anyways, I thought maybe it was a, an Irish thing, but uh, Dublin, what a great city. One of my favorite cities in the world. It's awesome. Uh, Josephine in Vancouver writes, holy crap, with the death of Noah, the producers have killed the third male black character in one season. Watch out, Father Gabriel, you're next. I guess so, eh? Tyrese, uh, no, sorry, Bob, then Tyrese, and now Noah. Uh Uh-huh. It's a little odd, but if it serves the story, (laughs) maybe it's okay. I don't know. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Jessica in... Long crap. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what she wrote. Or I don't know if that's accurate. 
I don't know if that's like Long Island and she calls it long crap. I don't know, but or if it's some kind of error. Anyways, Jessica writes, holy crap, did you see Officer Friendly and the case of the dinged up owl sculpture? I would have loved to see the deleted scenes where Rick goes around asking Alexandrians how they feel about sculptural representations of nocturnal birds of prey, <laughs> looking suspiciously at anyone who fumbles over an answer or protests too much. This could have been the law and order moment Jason has been craving. Oh, yeah. I was hoping that he would be going door to door saying, did you hear anything about the owl that was broken next door? Did you, did you see any suspicious roving gangs of owl breakers? <laughs> no, sir. I didn't see anything like that, sir. Until All right, then. Until somebody hesitates and then he knows that that's the culprit. Did you see an owl breaker? Well, um, no, uh, it was it was not me. I I swear. <laughs> I was inside um, uh, washing my hair the whole time. I was... I was watching Three's Company. <laughs> I thought you didn't have any TV. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. Come on down to the station. <laughs> I think your impersonation of uh, police officer friendly, I should call him, is great. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you, Jessica. Sean on the internet writes, crazy sick techno music from the van meant to draw the walkers away. That's genius. But... Why not turn it on when you're a mile away, not 100 feet inside the walls? <laughs> I think they turned it off once they got outside the walls. I think it was just motivational techno to get uh, to get them to the wall. No, but this is a I mean this is smart, right? It's like it's uh you you turn on the loud music, it draws walkers. So if you have some near Alexandria, you drive away from Alexandria and you draw walkers away from you. But turning it on when you're still like in the town seems a little silly. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I well, yeah, in you know having the the music blaring while you're driving around, I think is uh you know, it dulls your senses, right? You can't hear anything. So I would uh I I was just thinking that they were playing it for motivational and entertainment effect until they got outside the wall and then they turned it off and you know, got their shit together. <laughs> I, yeah, but no, I I don't think so. They were playing it that I think they even said they play it to draw the walkers away. It's just I think they turned it on too early. I think right. uh, Sean here has a point. Uh, but anyways, Jason from D.C. writes, My holy crap, did you see that moment was right after the van pulled up to the warehouse and Noah and Glenn were walking on the side of the warehouse. If you looked up in the upper right-hand corner, you could see the U.S. Capitol dome sticking out in the distance. While not an intense moment, of which there were many this episode, I thought it was a nice call out to Washington, D.C., which is true. So I went and looked for it because I wanted to see it. Yep. And I actually couldn't find the Capitol Dome in the scenes with Noah and Glenn, but I did notice that there's a transition shot right before we go to Tara and Eugene with the dome in the background sort of peeking above the trees. I saw it once. I forget exactly where, but I did see the dome. Yeah, I didn't notice it actually while I watched through, but it's, it's definitely there. I'm just not sure it's in the scenes with Noah and Glenn, although it might be right between them. Or I think we go to uh, Tara and Eugene first. So anyways, it's there, but it's it's a good little bit of detail because they are, of course, supposed to be outside Washington and Alexandria. Man, I would, uh, if I was that close to Washington, I would uh, I would go to the Smithsonian and start taking stuff. Yeah. I would get the Fonz's jacket. <laughs> I would, uh, there's all kinds of stuff I would grab out of there. I would grab the, the Moonlander. Oh, man. I'd yeah. get that sucker down and play in the Moonlander. You know, you you'd be the guy from Last Man on Earth, the new Fox show. 
yeah, no, I watched that uh, that first episode. It was uh, it was excellent. I was very happy with uh, his uh, the stuff he had collected from his uh, U.S. tour. Yeah, I I watched it too. I enjoyed that as well. <laughs> oh, I totally would go to the Smithsonian. I totally would steal stuff. I would grab the tent from Mash and uh, Hawkeye's boots. Yeah, for sure. All- Spirit of St. Louis. That's probably just ready to go. You know, you got a plane. Boom, let's go. All that stuff is just sitting there waiting to be taken, eh? Yep. All right. Well, uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that for you. Uh, Steve on the internet writes, Eugene take, trying to take credit for accidentally stumbling stumbling onto Alexandria. What a tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Harsh Greg from the internet, as he's been come to known by and the name he uses when he emails us, writes, holy crap, did you see Eugene grow a pair? He saved Tara and led the zombies away from the revolving door. The only thing that van is missing is a mullet music mixtape. Great white, once bitten, twice shy, anyone? Oh, that would be most excellent. <laughs> that would have been cool. Um, and that would have just completed the image. You already said that he looked good in that in that van. He did. There was a picture with a you know a depiction of a bird on the side. If that was a dragon and it was like blue, that would have been wicked. It would have been super wicked. It would have been awesome. But I think Once Bitten, Twice Shy by Great White, which I want yeah. to listen to now, for the record. I'm going to say it's running through my head right now. Uh, I used to love that kind of music when I was uh, younger <laughs> and growing up in the 80s. That was uh, That's cock rock. That's good stuff, it's just, man. It's beautiful. Hair metal, cock rock. Yeah. All right, friend of the show, Adam, writes, Holy crap, or not getting a chance to crap. Looks like Abraham's co-worker didn't get to, quote, send a fax to Cleveland. <laughs> awesome <laughs> euphemism, totally stealing that one. Yeah. Yep. I got to go send a fax to Cleveland. I'll be right back. <laughs> That's true. I got to go drop the kids off at the take a crap. <laughs> pool. Drop the kids off at the pool, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Adam. James from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Holy crap time. Abraham's flurry of death. Guns, a frickin' morning star, and a pipe. Do we need to even mention his shit-eating grin during the slaughter? He is the king of improvised decapitation. I just want to know where he got that morning star. Yeah, it was... Uh, it's like, Brick, where'd you get a trident? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, Randy in Romeo, Michigan has the next one here, and he says, Just wanted to say top five episode clearly, and my holy crap moment was Abraham using that circular saw as a medieval flail to take off some zombie heads while smiling. Circular saw? Was it somehow a circular saw on the end of a chain or something? I don't know what it was. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't tell. I was just like, where the hell did he get that, that uh, morning star? Um, even though I didn't know it was called a morning star. But anyways, it looked pretty cool. And then I think I liked how he kind of hit two zombies with it and it immediately broke and the end of it went flying away and he gives his trademark mother dick line and then just starts hitting him with the pipe. <laughs> it's a lousy morning star if it breaks yeah. after two. Yeah, really. Uh, okay, Victoria in Sacramento, California. Holy crap, did you see that gruesome death? Watching leader Douchewaffle admit that they were the ones to panic with their last run and then get killed was awesome. To have it be one of the most gruesome death scenes we've seen in a while made it epic. And uh, Victoria wrote another email where she sent in a bunch more, including, no, not Noah. (laughs) And then she ended that second email with, ah, fuck it. Holy crap, this whole episode. (laughs) So there was a lot in there to uh, exclaim holy crap over. For sure. Paul in Bakersfield. 
Two of my holy crap moments were Aiden and Noah's deaths. I can't recall more gruesome deaths on the show ever. He's got a point. They were pretty mm-hmm. sick. John in Deal Kent UK. Holy crap, did you see Aiden getting his guts eaten? Uh, did you see Aiden getting his guts eaten was just like Rhodes's death in Romero's Day of the Dead. Yeah, I thought that was a nice uh, nice homage to that kind of zombie death. It was, for sure. And and they've done that a few times. You know, we have sort of tribute zombies or death scenes that are similar. If, funnily enough, it reminded me a little bit of the scene in Shaun of the Dead, where, yep. where I think the character's name is Patrick. He gets pulled out a window by zombies yep. and then torn apart through his stomach and chest area, chestal area. Um, even though, you know, uh, this guy wasn't pulled out a window or anything, I just sort of thought how the zombies were ripping at him was kind of the same. Well, that yeah, because in Shaun of the Dead, that was homage to uh, Romero's exactly. as well. So, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it's all, uh, it's all part and parcel of a zombie flick. The same thing, yep. Um, Sebastian in Pennsylvania, holy fucking crap, Noah's death was easily the most brutal death in Walking Dead history. The look on Glenn's face was so heart-wrenching, it was really hard to watch. Right. Yeah, we didn't talk about Stephen Yun too much in that scene, other than to say he had to sit there and watch it, but what a great job, man, just yep. watching Noah get ripped apart like that. It was all on his face. It was, uh, yeah, it was so gruesome to behold, and uh, it was... Yeah, it definitely was all in his face. It was, it was very well done. Hard to watch, as Sebastian says. Damien in Virginia. Hey, Chris and Jason, my holy crap for this week is Gabriel. What he said to Deanna made me realize again why I dislike him in the comic book and now on the show too. Yep. So screw you, Gabriel. <laughs> Diana in Ohio. My holy crap was when Nicholas said, that's what we do. It is the same thing that Glenn has said on different occasions, but in a totally different context. Nicholas abandoning his people and Glenn saving strangers. Yep. Look at that. Two sides of the coin. One's bad, one's good. Glenn is good. He is. He's decided to be good anyways. Finally, uh, Camille in Denmark. Holy crap, they have a basketball hoop. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Right off the top, I think, in one of those establishing shots, we saw a basketball hoop. So uh, (laughs) that's exciting. You know, they got stuff to do for the kids. They can play basketball once in a while. It's all good. You can't just make owls in your garage every day. You got to be able to play basketball every now and again. Get outside, get a little fresh air, bounce the ball around, you know, good times. Yeah. All right. That is going to do it for Holy Crap. Um, if your comments didn't make the show, please listen on Wednesday. We'll have much more feedback then, of course, too. There's been an uptick, I think, in the amount of feedback we've been getting, which is great. We love getting it. I read everything, um, sometimes respond. I can't respond to everyone, though. I'd, I'd be here all day doing this. Um, but thank you so much for everyone that writes in. And uh, like I said, listen on Wednesday. We'll get to more feedback on the weekly feedback show. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, just a reminder to send in your questions for our Ask Us Anything podcast, which will be coming next weekend sometime. So get your questions in by Friday. What did I say? Friday the uh, 20th, Friday this Friday coming up. And uh, we'll do our best to ask any of them, or sorry, answer any of them on that show, which will be fun, as we've said. Why is the sky blue? Why can't trees talk? Why is gravity loopy? All valid questions. Anything. Anything you want to know, we will try to answer it. Uh, yeah. we, we've gotten some already, and I've been keeping uh, you know, a document that's ever-expanding. So uh, 
it's going to be a good time. Get those questions in. Um, get your entries in for our record a favorite scene contest that will be ending um, the Wednesday after the season finale, and then we'll choose the winner and announce it the week after that. So get those in, and we'll play some more as we go. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, don't forget to use our Amazon links and visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Oh, and of course, vote for us at the podcast awards, podcastawards.com and uh, choose the talking dead in the entertainment category. Lots of people have been letting me know they're voting. So I am really excited to uh, keep that going for another week or so and see if we can see if we can pull out a win here. Um, what do you think, Jason? If we win this, should we go to Las Vegas for the award ceremony? Yes. I agree. I think we should, when, too. When's the ceremony? It's in April sometime, so it comes it's, comes up pretty soon. Um, oh, my wedding anniversary is in April. You think my wife would want to take a trip to... Uh, to Vegas? Vegas for the, our anniversary? You can pretend you got married in Vegas. You can re- reestablish your vows down in Vegas if we go. I won't, oh. I won't go to that part of it. <laughs> my anniversary is on a Saturday. Unless you need a best man it so uh anyways yeah someone emailed and asked if we're gonna go and he said he'd buy us a beer no sorry he said he'd have a beer with us i shouldn't right <laughs> i shouldn't assume he's gonna buy it for us um so i don't know if i'll be pretty tempted if we win to go down there um but i don't know we'll have to see it would be fun it's pretty short notice that's the problem it's pretty short notice but i don't know if it's a weekend you know and we can get a good flight and maybe if if lots of people go to Patreon and, and you know, help us yep. with the cost of going down, I mean, we'll see. It, it would be, well, it's it, Vegas. You don't need a hotel room, right? You just kind of go for the weekend and then fly home? Yeah, you just go. You you, you just figure it out when you're there and then fly home the next in, the ne- in a couple of days. Yeah, you know, you just spend the night in the casino. There you go, man. I think we can pull that off. Yeah. Who am I kidding? We're old men. We need a hotel room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, we'll see if that happens, but keep voting really want to win thanks to everyone that has been so far okay we'll be back on wednesday when we do our feedback show for this episode and uh until then my name is chris my name is jason thanks for listening ciao all right god i hope i sound okay it was, it was weird in my own ears this whole time with this new device here. So. Sounded fine to me. Okay, that's good. If it sounded good on your end, fingers crossed. Cool. Pull your fingers out. Pull your finger out, Jason. <laughs> it's an excellent thing. <laughs>